everybody and welcome to the true crime squad this is katie weaver i'm here with my sister co-host and partner in crime christy brower hello hello hey everybody happy wednesday night i always look forward to the live stream like i know a lot of you guys do me too it's a lot of fun back in the uh you know the good old days of the Lori vallow trial <laughs> we, we did, did a lot live. of live streams back then so many nearly every night and so many of you guys later were like i really miss this i'm like i know the lives are really fun they are but every night was well it was a lot oh goodness i we both kind of fell apart (laughs) well we did we crashed hard after that for a little while yeah our health fell apart we let everything else slide that was a lot but sometimes i wonder if one a week isn't enough because i miss you guys so i'm glad we're here that's mm-hmm. what I have to say about that. Uh, I go. will say, though, last weekend we had the Murdaugh Murders Lifetime uh, two-night event uh, extravaganza the belligerent turd circus going on. Yes, we did. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. And we did it as a watch party, and that was so much fun to just hang out in the chat with you guys. It was. It was a lot of fun. And I wanted you to know that tonight is also our regular uh, watch party and that's happening at 815 Mountain. So just directly after this show and Christy, you chose the documentary this time. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So it's called the devil on trial. Um, It is on Netflix. So we always pick something on Netflix. So it's easy for you to find it. It is an hour and 20 minutes and it is a ride. It is scary. There's some exorcism involved in it. There are those Amityville horror folks that did the investigation there are in it. Um, It is about an 11 year old boy who murdered his neighbor, who he and everyone around him swear that he was possessed when it happened. Um, So it is the story. It's scary. There's some actual recordings of him during their sort of exorcism type things that went on and they interview him and lots of members of his family. This happened a long, long time ago. Uh, it is not fictional. Yeah. It is It, it, it is a story that happened. Um, wow. It, so anyway, I'll just leave it at that. It is okay. a true crime documentary. And uh, it's it's definitely worth, it's worth a watch. But be prepared that it is a little scarier than what we normally watch. <laughs> I'm bringing my dogs. Yeah. For cuddling. Yeah. Yeah. You may need that. So here's how the watch party works. You do have to be a part of our subscription service on YouTube. It's $4.99 a month and you just have to subscribe and then you'll receive that notification that that is uh, happening and then you can join that. And and, uh, as usual with a watch party, we aren't streaming it because that would be illegal. Uh, You watch it on your own device on Netflix and we'll watch it on our devices on Netflix and we'll just chat together in the chat. So yeah, that's what what it's all about. Talk about how spooky it is. Right, Deanna. I thought let's pick something spooky because it's Halloween month. So it was good timing. Yeah, we'll just be able to chat while we watch. 
I love it. Well, how are you? What you been doing all day? I am good. Uh, I feel like I've been doing a lot of true crime all day. It was an episode <laughs> earlier. We have this live stream and then we have the watch party. So that's pretty much been my whole day. Yeah. I feel like that too. It's wild. Well, I went to buy some, uh, so I went to buy some glass from a lady. I've been uh, really wanting to do glass fusing. And so it's taken me a little time to find a kiln. I finally bought a kiln yesterday. I found this lady in a town that's about an hour from here that had a whole bunch of glass. And so I uh, had a kind of a loose arrangement with her and went there to buy glass. And as it turned out, uh, no, <laughs> she wanted way, 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 way more money than she first indicated. And it really, oh, um, really, really soured oh. Scott and I both. If you tell someone to make you an offer and you refuse to give them a price, so they make you an offer and you go, what? No. Motherfucker, make an offer. T tell us what you want. Tell us what you, yeah, yeah. Give us a ballpark here. We just had this weird, wow. uncomfortable exchange with her. Her husband was just mortified. It was awful. And so we're like, well, goodbye. <laughs> but, that is bizarre. I mean, you want to sell something, but you don't really want to sell it? Or what's the deal here? I think so. So on the on the upside, we saw quite a few of the items that we do need. But it was a great opportunity for Scott to see them and go, I can make that. Or I have that. Or I know uh -huh. how to buy that for other purposes. It's the same thing and it's 10 times cheaper. So uh -huh. it was a loss because we learned a lot and are getting some things figured out. But why are people like that? I don't know. It's weird. But marketplace, people selling stuff like on Marketplace, it is sometimes very strange. And you can't mm -hmm. decide if they really want to sell it or not. Or, she doesn't. Yeah, they don't. Mm -mm. Totally non-committal. Yeah. When we got home, I noticed that she had then posted all of that stuff as a lot on Marketplace because I, I came into it in a bit of a different way uh, for five times what we had offered her. And she'll never she'll get that never in get. a bazillion years. She also told me that that stuff had been sitting in her garage in unopened boxes for the last 10 years. I, wow. I'm flabbergasted. But it's fine. Again, we learned things and everything's fine. But God, sure. people are weird. Just so weird. Mm, yeah, that is true. Uh, no. Noe, this is not included in our Patreon. The watch party is just for YouTube. Mm -hmm. I know. It gets confusing. There's too many of these i don't know paid services but what they do is they help support us mm -hmm. and help us do uh what you know the things that we can do but yeah it is only for our youtube uh membership people yeah yeah well obviously the big news today was the natalie holloway uh case and dun, dun, dun. joran uh, vandersloot uh finally pled guilty and uh we already did an episode on it earlier today so, <clears throat> oh, sorry, I'm coughing in your ear. I thought I was muted. Uh, no. <laughs> sorry about it. <laughs> I think I muted and unmuted real fast. Uh, at any rate, I'll, I'll try not to do that again, ever again. But <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, that was huge, obviously. Uh, the only update we have is that we had said in our live or in our uh, recording earlier today that we were hoping that Aruba would still charge him. And we have now learned, uh, thanks to you guys, because you're Brock, that Aruba has a 12-year statute of limitations on murder. 
What? That is insane. 12 years? Holy crap. Yeah. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. Don't like that. No, I mean, what happened to no statute of limitations on murder? Right. Why? After 12 years, you're just in the clear? Yikes. Uh, I guess. So we were still saying we were hoping Aruba would charge him, and it sounds like that's probably not happening uh, due to that statute of limitations. However, thank God there was justice for her family. Yeah. Yeah. They got something. They at least got a confession. Who... Who knows? This is Jordan Vandersloot, you know, mm-hmm. who the hell knows? But at right. least um, it's something mm-hmm. for them to hang on to. Yeah, you know, they're all sure. basing his truthfulness on polygraph tests. And I'm like, uh, OK, mm-hmm. the polygraph tests are not actually admissible in court. Doesn't mean he isn't still lying, but at least he did say he killed her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least that part I think we can trust. Mm-hmm. I think so. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. There, the courts should not be done with Jorin or Joran. Joran. Yeah. Yeah. In any Whatever. way. Uh, you know what I think, Noe, about that? She said, uh, I'm glad her mom is getting justice for swindling her out of thousands of dollars. I think his family, I think his family should do the right thing because he is from a wealthy family. I think they should give her that money back. I do. I mean, obviously, he probably put it all up his nose already or whatever. But I think his family should say, you know what? Our son's a piece of shit. He did some really horrible things. Besides the fact that he murdered these people's child, he extorted them for $25,000, and we are going to do the right thing and give that money back. Right. They probably won't, but that's my opinion. They They probably won't, but I agree. I agree. Right. See, Amber, that's my question, too. If this happened the way he said, and he just walked out to, like, knee-deep water and floated her out into the water, why didn't her body end up back on shore? Some people are saying there are sharks out there. Okay, that's a crapshoot, though. I mean, tides. Exactly. (laughs) Amber's like, because, like, tides? I know. I was thinking the same thing. Like, how did her body not turn up? Right. Uh, And maybe it was predation. But then again, yeah, it's a good question, a really good question. Yeah, that too, Kaylin. Did he take her out way deeper? And if he did, who drove the boat? Right, yeah, because all of this was, it was only him by himself. Those other men that were with him that night had already left. They weren't involved. But it does make you wonder, like, did they go out on a boat and dump her body further out? It just, it... It's hard for me to imagine that her body didn't wash back up on the beach if mm-hmm. it ha- happened the way that he said it did. Mm-hmm. It is also sad. Yeah, it is because obviously her body is never going to be recovered at this point. No, no, that's just done. But I'm her mom seemed to be satisfied, and that's really all that matters. I'm glad that she yeah. finally feels like she has gotten some justice and some closure for her daughter. Yeah, I, I, me too. I think that it's a relief for them that they feel like they can move forward, you know? Yeah. 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 Paula, no kidding. Paula said, I hope if Chad gets a plea deal that he has to say exactly what happened to the kids, not for my curiosity, but so that he has to face what he did. Hey, freaking men, Paula. Yeah. And to Tammy, his children. 
should get the truth out of him. Mm-hmm. It's never going to happen, but they should. Mm-hmm. hundred and fifty thousand percent. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's been some other bonkers, wild stuff go on today. And it Holy has crap, to do, right? yeah, with Rex Hewerman. You want to talk about the uh, given Holy by a 1920s pimp uh, <laughs> press conference? <laughs> right. Okay. So there was a, a press conference today in relation to the Gilgo Beach murders and Rex Hewerman. But this press conference was held by um, attorney John Ray. Katie, would you mind grabbing a picture yeah, of him I'm on for it. me? I didn't. <laughs> yes. I just realized and we should probably have one. Now, well, I spent a long time today trying to put together a bit of the uh, of the press conference, but honestly, it's just it was so hard to get enough out of it that wasn't crazy long to make any sense to you guys, but you yeah. should go watch it. You should. But I'll tell you a little bit about what's happening. So John Ray is an attorney that has been representing Shannon Gilbert's family, and he kind of calls himself the attorney for the Gilgo Beach victims. So he's not actually involved in this investigation um, directly, like he's not a police officer or a prosecutor or anything, but he uh, decided to hold a press conference today, and ultimately then the chief of police came and stood next to him sort of, to make it kind of official, but basically... But he looked pretty puzzled most of the time. Uh, well, it's because everyone's puzzled. Uh, this whole deal... Oh, thank you. Here we go. This is... Uh, John Ray is the <laughs> guy in the uh, polka dot tie and that really strange fedora. <laughs> and the police chief standing next to him in the red tie, the look on his face is pretty much sums up this whole situation. Um, so... What has happened is that John Ray has had some witnesses come forward and he has deposed them, which he should not be doing. This is anyway, he's fucking with this investigation and he's, I think, in deep shit. And the prosecutors prosecuting attorney in this case has been like, this will not be happening ever again. We we investigate these cases through grand juries, uh, not through press conferences. Right. But let me tell you what he came forward with, because it is interesting information. If it is true, we don't know for sure. But the first statement comes from a taxi driver who had, um, according to them, a pretty scary experience with someone that they realized later was Rex Hewerman. So uh, let's see. So. They knew about John Ray because John Ray's been on the on TV and stuff, you know, talking about this case. So they um, contacted John Ray and gave this statement. Uh, they say in um, October of 2009, they were a taxi driver in Suffolk County, New York, um, and they were sent to a bar um, in uh, Seville, New York, to pick up a man who supposedly his name was Matt. Uh, but Matt turned out to be this really gigantic guy. And if you remember, Rex Hewerman is a giant. He's huge. Uh-huh. So he goes, Hewerman gets in the taxi and he's sitting um, 
in the middle, in the back. And he says, we're going for a long ride in the woods. And the taxi driver's like, whoa, that's not, you know, that's not what my dispatcher told me. I, I can't do that without clearing it with my dispatcher first. And he also says, and we're picking up a girl who lives in a house across the street from the bar who's also coming. And that he's this taxi driver. She sees this girl in the house, right? Um, so the taxi driver says, yeah, I'm not doing that. Um, I'm not going to be doing that. And I guess uh -huh. Huerman was really rude. Are you being a smart ass? You know, being, um, you know, and, and the taxi driver's like, whoa, you know, I, I got to call in and let people know what's going on here. So then their dispatcher was hearing what he was saying because uh -huh. um, they were getting kind of scary. Huerman actually, according to this person, uh, pulled a gun, uh, threatened to kill the driver if they didn't do what um, he said, even said uh, that they wanted to kill the driver. Again, this is this is this is hearsay. Uh -huh. So just know we don't know for sure exactly what happened, but that this person that Huerman was wearing some kind of a badge around his neck and the taxi driver asked if he was a cop and he said that he was in Brooklyn. Um, basically the the dispatcher had already called the police like something this is not good something's going down here and so the taxi driver basically said look if you just get out of my car so i can get out of here i won't um press charges but you i'm not driving you you got to get out of here and actually turned off the car and refused to move so eventually Huerman gets out and goes over to the girl and her boyfriend, these two young people at this house, trying to get them to give him a ride. And uh, they said no and told him that the cops were on their way. They had also called the police. So then the dispatch, the taxi driver starts driving away, like I'm getting out of here. And yeah. sees a police officer coming, stops, talks to the officer, says this is what happened. Um, apparently according to this witness and their dispatcher, um, Huerman walked out into the woods past that house and fired the gun twice. Um, the driver didn't ever know who, who Huerman was until he was arrested and Huerman was on TV. And then this taxi driver put it together and said, that is, that's that guy that I had that really scary experience with, right? So then same taxi driver, same area, gets called to pick up a passenger at the Seville Motor Lodge. Um, and the, 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 the um, person requesting the ride had asked for a female driver and that they were, they were locked in the bathroom in, in a hotel. Oh, so God. they... Um, the taxi driver pulls up. They say they see a gray, greenish SUV, which is that Jeep. I think it's a Jeep that they say that Huerman was driving. Like they, this person is identifying this car as the same color. Uh -huh. Now, again, this all happened after a bunch of this stuff came out on the news. So we don't know. But yeah. this is what they're being told. So they they pull up to the room, the room number, because uh, this is like a motor lodge. And they start, the driver honks the horn and flashes um, lights several times waiting for this person to come out. And then they see a very large man come out and he's kind of shielding his face and he runs like to the side street, uh, like back where that other car was. 
And then this girl comes out and she gets in the taxi and she just says, we have to get away from here. And one thing is that the taxi driver had noticed that she had like a little bit of a droopy eye uh-huh. and uh, she was, she said she was dressed provocatively, whatever that means. Uh, she told the taxi driver, this girl did, that she had met this man on Craigslist and that he had befriended her and had said that he would take care of her mom, her sisters, and her boyfriend. Uh-huh. And then when they were in this room, they were apparently meeting up for sex, I guess, because he had placed a thick white envelope on the nightstand in the room, made it seem like it was money, is uh-huh. what it sounded like, that it was for her and her family. But she got scared because he he was scary. His uh-huh. facial expressions, everything about him was scary. So she went and locked herself in the bathroom. Oh, no, he went in the bathroom first. Right. When he went in the bathroom. She looks in the envelope. In the envelope is just cut up pieces of paper. There's no money. Yeah. There's no money. Yeah. So she um, freaks when he comes out of the bathroom. She goes in the bathroom and locks herself in there. So she's called for a taxi. She's waiting. Um, the taxi driver said that she never knew this person's name um, until she saw her on TV and she identified her as uh, Shannon Gilbert. Now, Shannon Gilbert, of course, is one of the Gilgo Beach victims. This is Shannon Gilbert. And she is one that had not been linked to Rex Heerman up to this point. So if this witness is correct, they just made a connection between Rex Heerman and Shannon Gilbert. Uh-huh. So that could be huge news if it's right. If it's the right person, if it's the right girl, we don't know. Uh-huh. And this is why this is scary because it was not handled appropriately through the police, I think. Right. And just handed out to the public like this. Yeah. Yeah. So then there was another witness. And this witness, sorry, let me find this, bring it back up here. This witness was um, a woman who was a swinger. She and her boyfriend were swingers. Um, and the way he describes swingers, it's so bizarre. I'm not even going to say it all. It's just, okay, Grandpa. Wow. The, the way that these the way that these statements are written are so awkward. You'll have to go read them for yourself. They're really, really awkward. But I don't want to go through them all because it takes too much time. <laughs> it's too but, much. Yeah, it is. So anyway. Um, So this person and their boyfriend were swingers and they would go to a swingers club called trapeze. And at trapeze, there would be basically ads on the wall for um, other couples who were into swinging. And one of the ads on the wall was for Rex Heuerman and his wife, Asa. And they had posted contact information for them and in their house uh, and and an address in Massapequa Park. So this was in 1996. So this woman and her boyfriend went there to swing with the Hewermans. Uh But on their way, this is in February, this person believes this happened on February 14th, which is the day that this young woman goes missing, Karen Vergata. So apparently on the way to go swing with with the Hewermans, they just picked up a homeless girl off the street 
and took her with them. Um, which was real odd. She was really scared. She was really cold. Um, the, this woman, the witness says her boyfriend was a police officer and that they told her, don't worry, you're safe because he's a cop. You couldn't be safer with anyone else. And I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not buying that. But anyway, so they go to the Huberman house and they, apparently there's a place where you just go in the door around the side of the house. So they go in there and Karen Vergata goes in with them. Uh, the woman stays upstairs with Asa, who is not interested in having sex at all. Um, the cop boyfriend, however, disappears to the back of the house with Rex Uerman for quite some time. We can imagine what was going on there. Um, this She never actually witnessed that, but that's what she believes was going on. So she talked with Asa for a while. Asa, she says Asa um, said that Rex had brought her from her country because she's she's an immigrant. I can't remember from where. Um, and that she owed everything to him. And that she was lucky that he was rich, but that she was afraid of him. Um, we don't know what was really said. Uh, so also this person remembers there being a Christmas tree up in the house, which was weird because it was uh, Valentine's day, uh -huh. I guess. Um, and, and this person remembers that because they like to do their swinging on holidays, Christmas, Valentine's day, Halloween, and other such holidays. What? <laughs> I don't know guys. I I'm not familiar with this scene. So whatever. So the, the Christmas after... swing as you do, as you do, I suppose. I, I I do not know. Um, so after a while of uh, the boyfriend hanging out with Huerman, he comes and says, uh, you know, I, I want to go. Let's go. So they go and they get in the car and they have left Karen uh, Verada in, in the house. Just this homeless girl left with these people, right? And so then the boyfriend realizes he's left his belt in the house. And so he goes in the house to retrieve it. And she's sitting in the car. She sees Karen look out the window, looking scared. Uh, then Karen comes running outside naked, running around um, outside of Huberman's house, and then goes back inside. And when the boyfriend gets to the car, she's like, hey, I'm worried about her. I don't know if we should just leave her here. And he said, oh, it's okay. She's fine. They're just playing a game. Again, she's a total stranger. She is a young homeless what? woman and they just leave her at the Huberman's house what okay the hell this this woman said she always felt uneasy about it and has always felt guilty that they left that girl there well no shit why did you take her there in the first place right so um recently this this witness says they saw Rex Huberman on TV they also saw a picture of Karen Vergata because her body was just barely identified in August mm-hmm and that she realized uh, that that is the girl, Karen, that they left at that house. Yeah. And so this connects, if if this is correct, this connects Rex Huerman and Karen Vergata, Vergata yeah. uh, which ha that connection had never been made. So if these statements are true and correct, that connects Huerman to two more bodies found out there in the Gilgo Beach area uh, than we knew of before. Problem yep. being, 
can't this stuff's got to be verified i mean you can't you just don't take witnesses you know they've got to like you know they could ask Berman's wife about the swinging situation you know they there are other people the the dispatcher from the taxi place those are um you know kinds of things that could be verified and maybe that work is being done i don't know you know it, it's it's hard to say it's interesting if it is in fact true but it's a big old mess because now um investigators have got to take that information and go, and um you know see if they can verify and confirm any of it karen uh Vergata disappeared on february 14th 1996 so that does track um you know there have been a lot of questions about shannon gilbert the, the comment about her appearance about her drooping eye maybe that tracks we don't know but really they didn't really I, well the second person the swinger they knew who rex Huberman was uh -huh. but uh you know all of this was really identified after seeing them on television and that is concerning i think for uh -huh. everyone because it's been a long time since these things happened so yeah well and he I made this big statement that people are coming to talk to him because they don't trust the police so or, or the prosecutors so they're coming straight to him and anyone who wants to talk you just come talk to me right and the police are like oh no we want to talk to all of you come talk to us yeah the there's, there's the taxi driver for you oh yeah so um yes so then the, so yes then the task force comes out like jesus christ uh, without providing any advance notice to the prosecutors pursuing this case in court or the Gilgo Beach Homicide Task Force, members investigating these murders day in and day out, we watched today's press conference not knowing what was going to be reported. We will continue to investigate this case through the grand jury process and not through press conferences. No private attorneys are or have ever been members or agents of the task force. Any citizen who believes they have relevant evidence regarding the Gilgo Beach investigation should report it to the investigative agencies that comprise the task force. Those agencies are the Suffolk County District Attorney's Office, the Suffolk County Police Department's Homicide Bureau, Suffolk County Sheriff's Office, New York State Police, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Any attorneys representing victims or their families by definition have a conflict of interest and should not be part of the investigation, should not be deposing any witnesses. Accordingly, Private attorneys are not part of the task force and potential witnesses should not be reaching out to a private attorney with an interest in the outcome of the case. So, yeah, so that's what went down today uh -huh. with, uh, you know, with uh, Mr. Ray here. And I do genuinely think that he cares about the families and is trying to help them. But he knows damn well what he did was inappropriate. And is he trying to get some fame for himself out of this deal? Well, that's pretty likely. So it's kind of a big mess. Maybe yeah. these are some breaks in this case. Maybe they're not. But, you know, police say that they will be investigating these um, statements to see if they can corroborate these stories. Mm -hmm. Whew. Yeah. Well, that is a mouthful. A it really, really is. Well, speaking of a mouthful of bullshit, let's talk about Dick Harputlian. Oh, my God, right? And, you know, his ride-or-die Jimbo for a minute and some <laughs> of the uh, uh, Alex Murdaugh hijinks right now. God. 
they have been trying really hard to find a way to control his money. They've made a whole bunch of different filings. Basically, the money from his estate, from Murdoch's estate, whatever there is there, is was supposed to go to pay back the victims. You know, remember all those people he defrauded, particularly the Satterfield boys? Right. And particularly, that's the case. And let's look back to the trial and think about how ugly they were to the Satterfield boy on the stand. They were awful. They just keep targeting these kids, and I just can't even with them. So their latest attempt here got slapped down. Uh, Eric Bland is the attorney for the Satterfield boys. Uh, pro bono, just trying to help protect these kids from these evil monsters. So bad. Mm-hmm. And here's what Eric Bland said. The continued frivolous arguments and legal positions advanced by Team Murdaugh knows no bounds. If it wasn't so serious and a waste and a wasting of valuable judicial resources, it would be laughable. In their latest filing in federal court, in their attempt to commandeer the money recovered by the receivers from Alex's assets, that is meant to go to his multitude of victims. Poot and Jim have the temerity to argue that the Satterfields have been made whole and they're not entitled to any more money. This is their new position since they have now have been lost. made whole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. their mother died because of these idiots. Yep. This is their new position since they now have lost the ability to vacate the $4.3 million judgment that Alex gave to the Satterfields in May 2021. Judge Price ruled against them in August on that front. It's for the court and the special referee to determine if the Satterfields are entitled to more money. I can tell you that there is a significant unfair trade practice act claim against Alex, which would lead to triple damages plus attorney's fees since he repeated his conduct multiple times and it had a profound effect on the public. These guys just don't get it. Seriously, why? Right. Why do they keep taking swings at the Satterfield boys? For Christ's sake, I'll never understand right. that. I don't either. I mean, it just well, it just makes them look like complete and utter trash. It, yes, which clearly it they do not care. No. Let me answer a question really quick that Noe had about the Gilgo Beach stuff. Yeah. What they're saying is if you're a witness, you have some knowledge, you you realize now you saw Rex Huberman, you saw one of the victims, please bring that information to the police. If you want to bring an attorney with you, go right ahead. But don't go to an attorney and give this information. And this information needs to be given to the investigators. Mm -hmm. This guy, uh, John Ray, is not an investigator in this case. Mm -hmm. He's an attorney that represents some of the victims' families. He shouldn't be taking depositions or statements from witnesses. Mm -hmm. You can always take an attorney with you to go talk to the police if you want to, but you know, these are not people who are suspects. These are people who are just witnesses. Yeah. And they're saying, please come talk to us first because we need to hear this from you. We need to be able to verify what you're saying and get it all down on paper. And if you yeah. read these statements, they are so poorly written and confusing that mm -hmm. holy shit. Um, kind of so like that's that 27-minute uh, press conference. Holy yes, moly. Yes, it's just a big circle. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what they're saying is please come tell us we're the mm-hmm. people investigating this. And I know that there's a lot of distrust of the police around the Gilgo Beach deal. Of course there is. These have gone unsolved for so long. There have there were, you know, police corruption in that area, questions about whether you could even trust the police at the time, but they now have this task force. They're focusing very specifically on these cases and they're saying, we are here to investigate these, these particular witness statements, please bring them to us. Some random attorney doing a press conference does nothing but damage the case, not help it. Yeah. Because they have to be able to verify this information. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's right, Jenny. Dutch bros. <laughs> yeah, Dutch bros. Well, let's but. follow up a little bit on a couple more things to know in Murdoch. Uh, yes. Moselle is for sale again. That's weird. Well, only half of it. It's kind of interesting. So the people that bought it in the first place six months ago, they're keeping part of it, but they're selling the house and some of the acreage, but not the kennels and the rest. So it's a 1,770 acre property. Yeah. So it was sold for 3.9 million to uh, Murdoch's former neighbor, and another guy. And so now they have announced that they're going to sell part of it. So the house and I think about and 21 acres. Yeah. Okay. Which is kind of interesting. They aren't saying why, but this is a people article that uh, actually helps break down what happened with the money from Moselle, which I thought was really interesting. Mm. So and you know the things that were auctioned off from inside the house. People went true crime crazy and paid an insane uh, amount of money for stuff in the house. Right? Because gross. Right? Why would a you Yeti want to cup. Own anything. Right. A Yeti cup for $400. A set of turtle lamps for 5000 Maggie's uh, bike. Murderabilia gross. Is what Buster's is. khakis. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Maggie's bike sold for $31,000. Oh, no, no, no. No, the $31,000 was for the alibi couch that Alex claimed he took a nap on while the murders were happening. It's insane. Somebody paid big money for Maggie's monogrammed pillows. Like, what the hell is wrong with people? I, I don't know. That is so strange to me. I those poor people were murdered there. Mm-hmm. Why would you want their stuff? It's so weird. Mm-hmm. So there's all of that. Uh, which, okay, fine. Weird, but all right. So apparently that, the sale of all of that stuff and Moselle, though I'm doubting there was a lot to make from Moselle. Like, I'm assuming he probably owed a lot on Moselle, but... You would think at the at the state that his finances were in at the time this all went down, it was not good. Mm-mm. No. But at any rate, uh, sorry, I lost my place in my article here, but at any rate, basically, some of the money from that sale did go directly... It was all in Maggie's name, and some of it went directly to Buster... Uh, a lot of it was supposed to go to Alex's victims, but the sale of all of that 
murderabilia went to Alex's defense fund. So all of you dumbasses that ran out there and opened up your credit cards and bought all that shit, you're paying for this fool. Yeah. Paying for his attorneys. Ugh, gross. So disgusting. Yeah. Why, 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 why? I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're paying for this because guess what? His case is headed back to lower court to yeah. talk about the jury tampering allegations. It's happening. Yeah. He could get a new trial. He could. So the South Carolina Court of Appeals has granted his motion to suspend his conviction, appeal, uh, appeal and send it back to uh, the circuit court to consider allegations of jury tampering by the Colleton County Clerk. So it's just the first step uh, in trying to get a new trial. So now they will have to go to circuit court to present their case and try to talk uh, circuit court into giving them a new trial. You guys, it could really happen. Can you even imagine? No, having to do that shit again? Oh, I'm just ill thinking about it. Yeah. But they've got to prove that all that all of that crap that they have alleged is actually true. And we'll see because these guys are a bunch of liars. So and a bunch of bumbling idiots. So we'll see, yeah. but oh, gross. I'm sick to death of it. So that's what's up in Murdaugh. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> Christy, talk to us about Caitlin Armstrong. So we, we mentioned last week that uh, Caitlin Armstrong tried to uh, run from custody recently. Um, so she's sitting in jail awaiting trial murder trial mm -hmm. and if you remember so here's a little more this is the actual like statement she's now been charged with a felony in the second degree of escape and causing bodily injury so this is what actually happened the other day she got a little further away than i first realized too mm -hmm. so so she's um, incarcerated on a federal detainer at Travis County Sheriff's Office Correctional Complex for Murder. My God, that's a long name. Um, <laughs> so she had managed to either cause or fake or something an injury that um, got her a, a doctor's appointment outside of the jail. So when they take when they took her there. She fled on foot as they exited the rear entry doors of the doctor's office. She was, you know, in her jail outfit and they yelled for her to stop. She wouldn't stop. And then they had a foot pursuit with her. Uh, she tried to scale a six foot fence and one of the officers pulled her off the fence, causing both of them to fall to the ground. So two officers had minor injuries during this little scuffle and um, foot <laughs> uh, chase with her. She got to her feet and ran. She ran for about a mile, disregarding officers' commands. There were sirens, responding units, like they're all coming at her. Mm -hmm. um, two officers injured their arms and knees while they were trying to go after her. 
she managed to get off her black and white striped uniform pants and she had on like thermal pants underneath to try to disguise her appearance. So there are several things that indicate that this was totally planned on her part. Mm -hmm. This wasn't just a random, this was planned. Yeah. Um, she apparently has been working out like no other the last mm -hmm. few months, running, doing squats and yoga, all kinds of stuff through her recreation time. Like she was getting ready to be able to run. Mm -hmm. Um, during the investigation, while when she had escaped, they searched her cell. They found a pen and dental floss in her cell that weren't supposed to be there. And the pen had something broken off from it that was like a solid, thin metal piece, like the clip part of the pen, probably, mm -hmm. that they think maybe could be used to manipulate her handcuffs because she did actually manage to get one hand out of her restraints, her left mm -hmm. hand. She got out. Uh, let's see. She had made a complaint of having an injury, and that's how she got the medical appointment. Also, because of this supposed injury, there was a medical request to restrict the use of leg restraints. So she didn't have leg restraints on, only, only the wrist ones. Mm -hmm. So they think that her recent exercising complaints of injury to get the off-site medical appointments, getting the leg, leg restraint restriction, um, that she was planning this entire thing. Uh -huh. So they caught her. She's back in the jail. She got about a, she got about a mile. Uh -huh. They're, they're um, lucky she didn't get away from them. I think it's real dicey and, and it really was close to happening. Right. I, th I think so. Cause man, she was, she was uh, getting ready physically to really uh -huh. be able to run. And she ran him. She got away for a mile. Uh-huh. But yeah, right. Yeah, I agree, Deanna. She's going to regret that next time she's actually sick and they don't believe her, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, I don't know that she had much of a plan other than she was going to try to outrun them. I mean, mm -hmm. where, what else, where was she going to go? I, I don't know. But anyway, that's a little more about what happened with that um, attempt to uh, escape last week. My gosh, mm -hmm. my cat will not stop. She, <laughs> she's back and forth, back and forth. Just <laughs> pick a spot, Sandy, pick a spot. So anyway... Her trial is supposed to start here at the end of the month, so we shall see. Yeah. Oh, yes, Paula. All actions of an innocent person, don't you know? Right? <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, yeah, she's a track star. <laughs> well, she, you know, she that they she was a cyclist. They the the victim was a cyclist. There were a lot this was all to do with well, and she was a like, yoga teacher as well. Yeah, she's, so she was already in decent shape, but she's mm -hmm. definitely been working on it, greening <laughs> it up. Yeah. To be ready, I guess, to unsuccessfully escape. Well, Caitlin, um, sucks to suck. Yeah. Well, uh, let's see. Oh, Delphi. A couple yes. of things. Uh, there is a tr uh, hearing tomorrow in Delphi, and yeah. it is going to be televised. Yeah. Be so, yeah. So, apparently... Uh, there's been some back and forth on this and basically the Allen's attorneys have asked to have cameras for all future proceedings in the case. Uh, prosecutors said no, because cameras would create a circus atmosphere and with 15 second Ooh, clips please. leaving an inaccurate impression of the justice system, bro, we have the right 
to understand the justice system, like don't even uh, be yeah. on that. And there are so um, many questions about has there been some serious shit go down mm-hmm. with the justice system, the criminal justice system in this case, I think they should be as transparent as possible. Absolutely. So Judge Goal basically said, yes, we can do it on Thursday. No, I'm not going to say we can do it for a time for time immemorial. We're just going to start right here. Mm-hmm. So that will you will be able to watch that tomorrow. We're not going to stream it, but um, lots of people will. So you'll be able to keep an eye. Yeah, on I mean, just do a Google search and you'll you'll see. I'm sure it'll be all over the place. So the hearing is to discuss the upcoming hearing on the 31st and other matters that matters that have recently arisen uh, that could have to do with the purported leak of evidence. Uh, there has been a leak of evidence that sent some crime scene evidence into circulation on social media surrounding the case. And so the Indiana State Police are investigating that leak. We don't know if they're also going to discuss the request for the Franks hearing. We don't know. We don't I'm know sure for sure. To discuss all of that and figure out how they're going to handle it. It's probably a status conference where they're going to figure out all of that stuff because there's so much stuff for them to address. They can't possibly do it all at once. Well, Judge Goal, I am so unimpressed with Judge Goal. Judge no. Goal barely, barely peeks her head up once in a rare while to address one or two little things and basically mostly ignores the filings of the of the uh, defense in this case. I think that's really problematic, but... Well, it's not going to be able to continue, and that's probably what this is about, is to address when are we going to have hearings on all of this stuff, because there's so much. Mm-hmm. And the leaks really have to be discussed, and it's possible. Uh, apparently, the defense has leaked a few times now, and has already and and have always you know apologized that it was an accident. This time it does not look like an accident. It looks like the defense was back channeling some information to other people to get them to disseminate that. And it's possible that they're going to get yanked off of this case. We don't know what's going to happen. So. I think they've been really desperate to get some attention on the things that they're finding. Definitely. And the judge is not giving them much. No. There's a lot of concerns here. A lot of concerns here. And a lot of concerns that the judge is just ignoring all these filings. That's yeah. Why not is no how getting that should happen. Yeah. Right. Yep. But yeah, leaks didn't happen until they got into the defense's hand. But again, the defense is also making some really serious claims against the prosecution that... Uh, right. It's big. And I'll be honest at this point, I don't think the judge goal is the judge for the job. I feel like this judge mm-hmm. is in way over their head, is yeah. not handling any of this very well. It's creating the so-called media circus, right. and they need somebody else, my opinion. I, I agree uh, with you. Yeah. So there's that. So I'm sure we're all going to be watching that uh, with bated breath at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, little, uh, poor little Angie Wagner is not happy, oh, guys. guys. She's not happy. Angela Wagner. She is the mother in the Piketon Massacre case. So we have her husband, Billy, her, her son, George, and her son, uh, Jake. And so she wants to fire her attorneys, guys. Uh She has written the judge quite a letter. Uh Um, 
making a lot of allegations toward the attorneys. I, the, the interesting thing about this is that she kind of just doesn't seem to get it that she took a plea uh -huh. and she's now convicted of uh -huh. all these murders and she's going to sit in prison forever. So they uh, don't really care. Uh -huh. I mean, I think that's just the bottom line. She, you know, tries to call them, tries to get their assistance with various things. They don't call her back. They tell her they don't have to the time to talk or that they don't really have anything to talk about because they really don't. Her case is done. Her last thing to keep her plea agreement in place is for her to testify against her husband, Billy, in his trial that's coming up next year. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of complaining uh, in this letter to the judge. She has two public defenders. She's asking for two new public defenders to represent her. Um, there's see, there's a civil case coming up and she's wanting to know if the public defenders will be defending her in that case. And her attorneys are like, why do you care? You're not getting out of prison. They're not getting any money out of you anyway, you know? Right. So I don't know. I mean, she wants women because she's been abused by so many men in her life that she thinks she needs female attorneys now. I'm like, dude, your case is done. You're in prison forever. Like uh -huh. th there's not really much for them to do at this point. Uh -huh. uh, it's all very whiny and um, <laughs> throwing her attorneys under the bus and accusing them of lying and uh -huh. a bunch of stuff, but it's all pretty nitpicky little stuff. Like, during COVID, she had lost her phone privileges. For being a bitch. Yeah. And so she wanted her attorney to call and check on her grandma and let her know how her grandma is. And she says the attorney lied and said they called and talked to her grandma for an hour and her grandma's fine and all's well. And then she finds out later they never called her grandma, but she had lost her phone privileges. She didn't have a right to be contacting anybody. So, yeah, it's kind of like it's not sinking into her that like, dude, you're in prison forever. So whatever you know okay. um so i don't know it's like these attorneys are like we don't really need to do anything for you we're busy we have other clients mm -hmm. we're done with you so we'll see <laughs> talking about times that i called the office and asked for my attorney and i was told he wasn't there and i could hear his voice in the background yes, <laughs> yes. yeah Oh, Just Angela. a lot of that and a lot of being told, uh, we don't have any reason to call you back because there's nothing for us to talk about. She uh -huh. just wants to talk. Uh -huh. And she's been told that she talks too much, apparently. Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess talk to the jail, to the prison chaplain. I don't know. Find somebody else to talk to because these attorneys are not interested. And I really doubt that they will give her new public defenders. What does she need them for? She's What's not wrong, filing Angela? appeals. You're not that popular in prison. Yeah, she's just not getting much attention at this point. And after all the <laughs> shit she's done, I genuinely don't care. <laughs> Deanna said, LOL, girl, take a hint. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wanted to welcome Jean. She's a brand new listener. So, Jean, welcome. Oh, hey, Jean. Welcome, welcome. Oh, welcome very much. <laughs> She also yeah. said uh, that she watched the Wagner trial and Angie got a sweetheart deal of the century. Yeah, she did. Absolutely. She did. And now she just yep. cannot stop bitching. Uh, Billy's trial is April. I think it's yeah, April. I think, so. I think we year. decided it's about the same time. It's as right Bell. the same time as Chad Daybell's trial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, be... Talks too much and says nothing. So yeah, it sounds like she just wants to talk and complain and mm -hmm. her attorneys aren't buying it. And so she wants new attorneys. I doubt they get And they have to be women as well. Yes, she thinks she also gets to determine 
that they will be women, which I'm sorry, but you are in prison. You are. Yeah. Whatever, man. <laughs> women don't want to talk to you either. Yeah. Like there's nothing they can do for her at this point, you know? No, not at all. Crazy. So a couple more things. Uh, in Thomas Creech, we reported on yes. this earlier this week. Idaho has signed a death warrant for him. Uh, he's supposed to be executed on November 8th. And so there was a ruling from the Supreme Court that came out uh, yesterday that said that uh, on October 16th, 2023, the appellant, through his counsel of record, filed a notice of appeal, appealing the judgment entered, blah, blah, blah basically asking for a stay on the uh, execution that was denied. However, he can still appeal. So here's what the court's saying. The appeal has to be expedited. The appellant's brief has to be turned in no later than tomorrow, Thursday, October 19th by five. The respondent's brief has to be filed by October 20th at five. So they're going to have 24 hours to respond to that. Oh the state is because they're trying to maintain that date uh-huh any reply brief from the defense has to be filed by monday at 5 p.m mm -hmm. and then if they want oral argument that has to be on november 2nd so they're really pushing this through quickly to try mm -hmm. to not have to give up on that date so we'll see what's going to happen is idaho really going to get back on the execution train kind of seems like they are mm -hmm. They seem to want to all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. they, they're desperate to execute the oldest of old men in the in the prison. Yeah. So, know. but we already covered Billy, or not Billy Wagner, still in my head. Uh, we already <laughs> color, covered Thomas Creech and all of his stuff uh, earlier this week. So you can go and watch that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we're almost there. We are. The only other thing is a case uh, that, that's local to us. We've talked about it a little bit. We never did a full dive into it. Uh, it was just about to go to trial. I know we talked about it when it happened because this happened only a couple of miles from my house. Yeah. But there was an older couple that uh, was attacked early in the morning by a young man. And he killed the man. And the lady was seriously injured. And again, this was, I'm going to say two years ago. I think and two I, years ago, yeah. We're actually good friends with one of their nieces. Uh, it was awful. Ralph Bryan was the uh, the man that died and his wife, Karen, who worked at uh, a grocery store that I've shopped in forever. She's very familiar to me. And mm -hmm. at any rate, uh, it was just a home invasion. And he... Uh, shot Ralph and stabbed Karen multiple times. She was quite hurt, quite hurt. Oh, and, yeah. but she did live through it. I mean, this kid was only like 19 when he did this. There was no rhyme or reason to it. He just said he was going to go and kill somebody. And, and why know. these people? We don't know. Yeah. Well, there's, there doesn't seem to really be any answers as to why. Not the even, he didn't even live in the same town. Didn't live in the strange. same town. Didn't seem to know that or know them. So we've been watching this partly because one of our listeners, uh, her kids went to school with him and apparently he was a horrible bully in high school and yeah. nearly bullied her daughter to suicide. Yeah. And so we've been really watching this one close because uh, everyone needs justice from this kid. 
Yeah. And he has agreed to plead. So that's not going to yeah. be going to trial. So we've been keeping an eye on that. I know it's not as uh, big of interest because we haven't talked about it very much. But it was for to us because we've been keeping an mm -hmm. eye on this one. So yeah. at any rate, yep, he told his brother he was going to go cap somebody. We don't know why yeah. or why them. But at yeah. any rate, uh, his trial was supposed to start on Monday, but it's been vacated and a change of plea hearing is set for tomorrow morning. And I'm, I'm really grateful for the family that they do not yeah. have to go through a trial. Oh, absolutely. They should not have to go through a trial. No, they shouldn't. My God. There have been some filings in Coburger, but honestly, it's just procedural stuff and I'm not going to go into every bit of the Koberger stuff because, frankly, it just gets to be pretty tedious. Uh, yeah. But, of course, there's been more emotion there because there always is. But it's nothing that's all that interesting. So, well, I think I think we did it. I, I think we did. So, we're going to go take a quick break. We're going to end this stream. But if you're mm -hmm. part of the subscription service over on YouTube, we'll be back at 815 Mountain. So here in about 10 minutes for the watch party. And again, one more time in case you're just getting here. We are watching The Devil on Trial on Netflix. So if you yes. are already a member, uh, then you'll, you've already seen that be posted and you'll be able to attend. If you're not and you want to be, just go over to YouTube to our main page. And there's a spot right there to join. And all you have to do is join our membership. It's $4.99 a month. And then you can come to the watch party, which yeah. means that uh, we all watch this uh, documentary on our own devices, but we hang out in the chat room together and chat about it. Yep. So it's going to be link. creepy. Be yeah. prepared. It's going to be something. So I put a quick link in uh, the chat rooms for our YouTube in case you're interested in that. And that's what's up. So thanks, you guys, so much for being here. Thanks for always mm -hmm. uh, being a part of the squad. We appreciate you so much. Sure this has been another production of the True Crime Squad. Take care. Bye, everybody.